How many of y'all know that? And it's because the people there are hungry. And it's because they're seeking the face of God and they're worshiping with their heart. He says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And he says, amen, that I inhabit the praises of my people. And he says to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Amen. And so it's pretty awesome. I remember in the first church I ever pastored, amen, a little church, and we started out doing tracks, right, Savannah? And we had some of the most powerful services ever. But I just want you to remember that, amen, because we're not here to be entertained. We're here to seek the face of God. Amen. And we like it when people use their gifts for the kingdom of God. Amen. You know, even the spoons is another way of worshiping the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. But how many of y'all excited to be in the house of the Lord? Give the Lord a hand praise this morning. Amen. I hope everybody had a wonderful 4th of July. Praise the Lord. Doesn't look like anybody caught on fire from fireworks. That's a good thing. We got, we've been getting plenty of rain lately, so thank God that kept at least nobody's pasture caught on fire. Amen. I was a little nervous about the church property catching on fire, but God knows what he's doing. Amen. He kept it nice and wet so that we could, but I hope you all had a wonderful fourth. And uh, those of you that came and joined us, uh, amen, we're glad that you were there with us. And those of you that weren't, I hope that you had a blessed time, and we're glad that you're with us this morning. Amen. And uh, there is, like Raymond said, there's great things going on in the kingdom of God. There's great things going on in this church, in this body of Christ. Amen. It's going to, I believe, if we stay in place and we stay focused, it's going to blow our minds. Amen. And that's one reason why the enemy fights us so hard. Amen. The enemy's not going to kick a dead horse. But the enemy will come and resist something that is going to be, you know, effective for the kingdom. And something that's going to come against his kingdom. Because, you know, the devil has a kingdom too. Amen. Satan has a kingdom. And he's trying to build his kingdom here on earth as well. In fact, the Bible refers to him as the God of this world. Who blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we can rejoice because we have the victory in Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. So I hope that you're living victorious today. I hope you know you have the victory. And amen. And Jesus lives in you if you're a born again believer. And that means the victory is in you. Amen. Sometimes we just got to tap into that victory. Amen. We've just got to enforce that victory. It's kind of like the word of God. Once we begin to enforce it into our lives through faith, amen, and through confession and through action, amen, then you begin to see, amen, the word of God come true in your life. But it takes you first believing. Amen. And then you have to apply it. You know, it's just like when we're saved. Amen. The Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. And when you come in alignment with the word of God and you confess it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart. Amen. And when you believe it in your heart, that means there's going to be some works because just like James said, faith without works is dead. You show me your faith. Amen. I'm going to show you my faith with my works. And so when we apply that word of God to our lives and we confess it out of our mouths and we believe it in our hearts, then you're going to begin to see the power of God move in your life like never before. Can I get an amen? Amen. So I want you to know that you're victorious. I want you to know you're on the winning team. 
And I want you to know, amen, that you're loved dearly. You're loved by the king of kings dearly, amen. Amen. And you're loved by the brethren, by the brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we just want to say we're glad you're here. Amen. The ladies did a wonderful job last week, didn't they? Let's give the hand praise for the ladies once again on Fifth Sunday. Praise the Lord. But today we have a special, um, a special treat as well. Amen. And I've asked uh, one of my disciples, my spiritual sons, and now he is actually the senior pastor of Victory Life of Maybank. And I've asked him to come and share a word that God gave him this morning and put on his heart. So let's, let's go ahead and amen. As he comes forward, let's give him a hand praise for Pastor Zachariah. All right. Matthew chapter 15. Ain't God good this morning. Matthew 15, starting in verse 21. God actually gave me this word last Monday morning, and I've been meditating on it all week. And in Matthew 15, if we would, let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28. And the word of God reads like this. It says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. In verse 23, And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Wow. But he did not answer her a word. He ignored her. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away because she keeps shouting at us. Now you got the people following Jesus saying, Get rid of this woman. Send her off. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Wow. That's a heck of a reply from Jesus, ain't it? Called her a dog. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Come on, praise God for that. Hallelujah. You may have a seat in the presence of the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for this word that you've given me, God. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit just endues me with power from on high to be able to preach your word, to be able to teach your word, to be able to communicate your word rightly, God, truthfully, God, and boldly, God. Lord, I pray, God, if there's any offenses in the hearts of your children here this morning, God, that they find freedom from it, they find forgiveness, God, they find healing, God, and they leave this morning, God, with offenses free from their life, free from their heart, God. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Come on, if you would look to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, did that offend you? Now look to that same neighbor and say, Get over it. Get over it. You see, this morning I want to talk about offenses. And as I've been in this 
walk, you know, almost eight years now, serving ministry under my pastor, serving ministry in Victory Life, you know, going out and launching out and starting a church. More often than not, the number one reason I see people drift away from the body of Christ is because they get offended. They get offended. The pastor didn't say hi to me. The preacher said it too rough. They didn't give me the answer I wanted. They didn't let me pray for the other person I wanted to pray for. And offenses are rising up in the hearts of the people. And we know that what Jesus said, that offenses will come. But it doesn't stop at offense. Offense becomes betrayal and betrayal becomes hatred. And there's people that are leaving the church and hating the people of the church because they let an offense rise up in their heart. But I'm here to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, it's time to get over it. Amen. As we see this woman comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, heal my daughter. And the first thing that Jesus does is ignores her. Could you imagine coming up into the the, uh, house of God or coming to the preacher and needing something and they ignore you? What's the first response you're going to have? Oh, he ignored me. He don't know who I am. I'm not coming here again. They ignored me. But this didn't stop that woman. That woman kept coming after Jesus. She went past the the, uh, ignore. She went past the, the fear, the discouragement. And she got her blessing. Does anybody want their blessing this morning? But we're living in a culture of offense. Everyone's offended. It's like we glorify victimhood. Oh, they offended you? Put it on social media. Put it on your Facebook. Call them out by name. Get on the news with it. Everyone's offended. Democrats are offended. Republicans are offended. The LGBTQT, the group, they're offended. The vegans are offended. Everyone's offended. We live in a a, a society of offense. People in the church are offended. People in leadership are offended. We live in a society of offense. Our national sport's not the NFL, it's the NOL, it's the National Offense League. We see who can get the most offended and what they can do behind it. And offense is scary because offense makes you feel like you can justify your behavior. That's what offense does. I'm justified of being angry. I'm justified of being mad at the pastor. I'm justified of being mad at the church. You're not justified. Everyone has been offended in life, right? But it's almost like some of us, that's our hobby is to get offended. Amen? Our hobby is to get offended. And we know John Bevere has a great teaching, the bait of Satan on offense. And we know the word offense or stumbling block, it comes from the Greek word scandalone, and the word literally means a snare or a trap. And I believe some of us in the church today, we're taking the bait and we're getting trapped by Satan. And the bait is hurt. The bait is offense. We get offended by the people of God because somewhere in our mind, we think the people of God shouldn't offend us. But we see here in this text, the offense first came from Jesus. And then after that, the offense came from the people following Jesus. But with all this offense going on in this woman's life, this woman did not stop. She kept pursuing Jesus. She kept coming after Jesus. She didn't back down. She kept going and going until she got her blessing. And I'm here to tell you today, some of you got a blessing and it's on the other side of a fence. Amen? It's on the other side of a fence. 
But the spirit of offense, it's like an automatic weapon. Once you pull the trigger, it keeps firing and firing and firing. Amen. And the first thing that Jesus tells us, lady, this lady comes to Jesus and she wants healing for her daughter. And I know there's some mothers up in this place today. And if there's one thing that you'll get crazy about, it's your children. And so this lady's children are being tormented by the devil. And so this lady comes to Jesus and says, please heal my daughter. Please deliver my daughter. She's possessed and I know you're the answer, Jesus. I know you're the answer. Does anybody know Jesus is the answer this morning? Amen. I know you're the answer. And Jesus' reply, he shared truth with her. He said, ma'am, I was sent only to the sheep of the house of Israel. Or in our terms, you know what he, you know what he said? Girl, I ain't here for you. I ain't here for you. You see, Jesus was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel in order that through his regathering and reconstituting the true Israel, the blessing of salvation would be released to flow from Israel into the rest of the world. So that was his first assignment, was to come get the lost sheep of Israel. And this is his reply to this lady, this Canaanite lady. And we know, you know, the Canaanites and the Israelites, they have bad blood. So already this, this lady's feeling a little awkward already as she comes to the people of God. There's a little weirdness there's a little awkwardness. Has anybody experienced a little weirdness in the church? A little weirdness? And so already this lady's already got this discouraging fact that, that the people of God, that the Israelites have bad blood with my people. But she did not let that stop her from getting her blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. But the first thing I want to talk about this morning, number one, is Jesus is offensive. Jesus is offensive. You see, the first opportunity the offense had to paralyze this lady was from Jesus. And it's crazy. The church is offended that Jesus' call is for sinners, and the world is offended that he calls us to repent. Everybody's offended. And in Matthew 15, verse 12, the word of God reads, It says, Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended? When they heard you say this, Jesus? But he answered and he said, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if the blind man guides a blind man, they both will fall into a pit. Wow. So now Jesus, you know, this information's passed to him and he says, Hey Jesus, those Pharisees, they're offended at you. And his response is, ah, they're blind people leading the blind. This is Jesus. Jesus. Somewhere along the line, we we think of Jesus as this nice person who would never say anything to offend anybody. The devil is a liar. Amen? The Pharisees took what Jesus said as offensive because their hearts were far from God. And you see, Jesus was rough on his disciples frequently. The people following Peter, he called him Satan. I rebuke you, Satan. That's what he told his disciple. Jesus was rough on his disciples frequently, but they didn't get offended because they were following Jesus out of their love for God. So their heart was where it should be. So if you get offended, it doesn't show us where the person who offended you's heart is at. It shows us where your heart is at. Amen? 
The Pharisees had a form of religion, right? But their hearts were far from God. As Jesus said, they honored me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so if you get offended, that shows us the state and the condition of your heart. Amen. And when a person takes offense at something, it often says much more about their heart than the one who did the offending. And there's a false belief by some Christians and unbelievers that if you're a good Christian, you'll never offend anyone. And Christians who offend with the truth they share are often believed and labeled as inconsiderate and arrogant and narrow-minded because they didn't have enough consideration to not share that when the person who got offended was around. Hello. I'm telling you. Listen, delivering Scripture, preaching the Word of God, it tells us how to live and think and how to reprioritize our lives and change our behavior. Bring every detail of our existence under the Lordship of Jesus Christ without treading on anyone's toes is expecting too much from the preacher. So preaching from this pulpit without offending anyone in this crowd, you're putting too much on the preacher. George Whitfield said this, a great theologian. He said, it's a poor sermon that gives no offense. That neither makes the hearer displeased with himself or the preacher. If you sit under preaching and you don't get uncomfortable, I would question the preaching you're sitting under. Amen? Galatians chapter 5 verse 11. Do the King James. Not the Queen Jimmy, but the King James. Does that offend anybody? Galatians 5.11, King James. And this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Galatia. He says, And I, brethren, if yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then this is the offense. Then, then is the offense of the cross ceased. And so what Paul is basically saying, he's like, listen, I'm going to preach it regardless. And when I preach it, it's going to offend somebody. Somebody's going to get offended. Somebody's not going to be okay with the preaching. Somebody's not going to be okay with the counsel. Somebody's not going to be okay with what God is leading you to share with them. But that's okay. Because the power is in the truth that you share. And if we stop sharing the truth, then lives stop getting transformed. And if lives stop getting transformed, then the church begins to look like the world. Are you hearing me? And in Isaiah, he said, Jesus, we're talking about Jesus. He will be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Jesus will. As we know in 1 Corinthians, he says, Jesus, a stumbling block to some. To some, he's an offense. To some, the, the message that he preaches, the message that he shares, the message that he lives will offend some. Are y'all tracking? Jesus said he's the way, he's the life, and he's the what? He's the what? He's the truth. And what you have to understand about truth is truth is constant. Truth is consistent. Truth is absolute. You can't change the truth, but the truth can change you. Amen? The truth is consistent. It's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. It doesn't change 
based on what culture says is right and wrong. It doesn't change based on what you think is right or wrong. And it definitely doesn't change by what your grandmammy said is right or wrong. Can I get an amen? amen? It's the truth. And you have to understand your, your freedom, your transformation, your change, your growth, your progress is in direct correlation with the truth. And so if you don't receive the truth, you're not going to receive the breakthrough. Because a lot of us get truth shared with us and we shut down. And we get weird. You know what I'm talking about. You come to the pastor for help and the pastor seeks God and he shares truth with you. And then you get all weird because it's not what you wanted to hear. And you shut down. And you don't receive the breakthrough. Are you hearing me? How many know your pastor is still human? The people in the church are still human. Listen, if offenses came through Jesus, you best believe offenses going to come through us. But the question is not where the offenses come. The question is where do the offenses stay? Amen. You see, Jesus didn't care what the culture said was appropriate. He preached truth no matter if it offended the crowd or not. Amen? But some people are offended by truth because of its very nature. It's exclusive. It's absolute. It's not relative. That means the truth is not changed by people's opinions. And we live in a society that pushes self-discovery, that pushes fairness, that pushes freedom. And it pushes, you should be able to live how you want to live and feel comfortable with it. That's the society we live in today. It's a type of spiritual relativism that's entering into the churches, that's entering into our society, that's entering into our families, our marriages, our homes. And as the church, as Christians, we have to stand on what we know to be true and not waver from that. We have to remain faithful to our convictions. We have to remain faithful to the Word of God. We have to remain faithful to the truth. You see, people who believe in this relativism, they believe there's no one absolute truth. And everyone is correct on how they feel what truth is. And everyone gets to draw their own line in the sand and determine what's right and what's wrong. Amen? Truth. We have to be people of truth. We have to be people that preach truth, that share truth, that live truth. And you have to understand the enemy has been waging a war on truth for many years, for a millennia, because he knows the power is in the truth. And the truth is Jesus. The truth is the word of God. The truth is the ordinances of God, the commandments of God. It's the word of God. This is the truth. And we can't back down when society tells us that's offensive. When society says that's offensive, that's when we need to press even further in with the truth. Amen? you got to understand, Jesus said we're the salt of the earth. We're the salt of the earth. He didn't say we're the sugar candy. Too many of us want to be sweet in everybody's mouth. But how many know sometimes salt don't taste so sweet? Sometimes you get enough salt in that tongue, you start looking sour. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I want people in my life that are going to share the truth with me. Amen? To share the truth with me. We want people that aren't afraid to share truth with us. 
That's why the home's so powerful, because willingly or not willingly, the people in the home are put in a position to where they have to get truth spoken to them. Amen? But sometimes in the church, we get all weird when people share truth with us. Amen? And then there's a temptation to compromise the truth because we don't want to offend anyone. Are you hearing me? But the reality is the power is in the truth. The transformation is in the truth. The change is in the truth. The breakthrough is in the truth. The deliverance is in the truth. Amen? It's the truth. The truth is we don't put water in gas tanks and we don't jump out of buildings if the elevator's full. And some people may say that's not the truth. And they may put water in the gas tank and they may jump off the building if the elevator's full. But the truth is set in place to keep us from erring our way, from going the wrong way, from getting in trouble, getting into a bad situation. Amen? And I'm here to tell you this morning, brother, open rebuke is still better than hidden love. Amen? So if somebody comes to rebuke you, just receive it. Don't get offended. Too many people get offended when a rebuke comes their way. Amen. When correction comes their way. Amen. In Mark chapter 10, verse 21, we have the rich young ruler and he comes to Jesus. And the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I obeyed all the commandments from my youth. I haven't lied. I haven't still, you know, I haven't murdered. I haven't done none of this stuff. I haven't used your name in vain. And the Bible says after he shared this with Jesus, the Bible says Jesus felt a love for him. And the love that Jesus felt for him proceeded to make Jesus share truth with him. So if you're not sharing truth with me, I would question if you really love me or not. Amen? Because people you love, you're going to share the truth with them. Because you don't want them putting water in their gas tank. And you don't want them jumping off a building if the elevator's full. Even though they may not see anything wrong with it, you're still going to share the truth with them because you have a love for them. Does anybody have a love for anybody this morning? Yeah. Amen. You see, Jesus has a love for you. That's why Jesus was never afraid to share the truth with anyone. Even if it looked harsh on the outside, Jesus still shared the truth. Even if it didn't look fair on the outside, Jesus still shared the truth. Even if it didn't look right in the natural way of seeing things, Jesus still shared the truth. We need to stop caring about what everybody thinks about us and start preaching the Word of God and start sharing the truth of God and start keeping it real in our friends' and our families' lives. Amen? Open rebuke is still better than hidden love, brothers and sisters. Too many people get offended and run away from the church, run away from God. Are you hearing me? And you have to understand, listen, offenses are going to come. Matthew 24.10. Offenses are going to come. And the Word of God reads, And at that time many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. And in different translations, it says offenses will come. Somebody say will. will. Come. come. Offenses will come. And it will turn into betrayal. And then it will turn into hatred. So you have to understand, offenses are always going to come. Always. And in Luke 17, 1, 
The word says this. And he said to his disciples, it is inevitable that offenses come. But woe to him from who they come. So what Jesus is saying, he's like, listen, listen, y'all following me. Listen, y'all who make up the church. Offenses are always going to be there. Somebody's always going to say something wrong to you. Somebody's always not going to treat you how you feel you should be treated. Somebody's not always going to give the answer you want. Somebody's always going to speak to you not in the manner you think you deserve. Offenses are going to come. Offenses are going to come. But Jesus said, woe to those who offenses come through. So as the Christians, we're not to go around just angrily just trying to offend everyone. But I'm preaching from the perspective of the one who the offenses come into. Amen? And the first sense the offense had on this lady was to try and hit the woman was from Jesus. I mean, this lady could have got real offended with Jesus. This lady came to Jesus and said, I need healing. She knew where the answer was. She knew where the blessing was. She knew where the breakthrough was. She knew what it was she needed, so she came to the right source. But the first thing that happened is Jesus ignored her. And at that point, she could have got offended. And then after she kept pressing in, kept pressing in, he said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Boom, there's the second offense. She could have got offended again. So many opportunities for offenses to arise up in our hearts. But she kept pressing in. She kept going forward. And then the third thing that happened is the people following Jesus told Jesus to get rid of her. So the second attempt that offense came through was the people that were following Jesus. The offense tried to sneak in through the people that were following Jesus. And there's often a misconception that offenses won't happen in the church. This is a church. The love of God's here. The power of God's here. No one should ever leave here offended. The truth is no one should leave here offended. But offenses will come in the church. Amen? And Jesus didn't say it's impossible to not get offended. He said it's impossible for offenses not to come. So this tells me that there is a way to live that we won't get offended when offenses come. You see, offense and offended are two distinct separate things. Offense is what happened. Offended is a reaction. Offense says, you did it. Offended says, I'll never forget you did it. Offense is an event, but offended is a decision. Are you tracking with me, people of God? So Jesus is saying being offended is optional. But offenses coming is inevitable. Offenses are always going to come. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. This is a promise he gives us. He's given us all kinds of promises through his word. Through the written word of God. All kinds of promises. And this is one of the promises that offenses will come. Offenses will happen. But you don't have to live in such a way that you hang on to these offenses and get offended. Because the reality is when you get offended, it doesn't stop the other person from getting blessed. It stops you from getting blessed. The Bible says don't even come to the altar if you got, you got into it with somebody. Go to that person and make that right before you come to the altar. And how many know the altar is that there's a blessing at the altar? And also where the person meets God, where you get your healing, you get your deliverance, you get that encounter with God. And I don't know about you, if there's anything that keeps me from getting that, I want to get it uh, dealt with. Amen? 
It is possible to live in such a way to be unoffended. In Proverbs 19.11, it says, It is to your glory to overlook an offense. Yes, sir. To overlook an offense. Offenses are going to come, but are you going to hang on to them and get offended, or are you going to overlook an offense? Amen. Amen? I mean, at some point, man, you have to grow up. And you have to say, you know what? These people have shared the love of God with me for all these years. And they may not be perfect. And they, they may come off a little harsh. And they may come off a little rude sometimes. But guess what? At the end of the day, we're family. We're family. Too many people who have been here so long get offended at the little things and run off. That's immature. That's childish. Are you getting offended yet? Let me ask you this. What is your current level of offendability? And I know that's not a word, but it, sound, it fits. <laughs> what is your current level of offendability? What does it take you, what does it take for you to get offended? Somebody just says something the wrong way to you? And boom, you get offended? Because more often than not, the people God uses are the people who can deal with offenses properly. Are you hearing me? The people who are able to deal with offenses properly are often, more times than not, the people that God uses. Amen? Look, and it's crazy because I, I wrote this sermon and I was, I was, you know, God was dealing with me about this sermon. And God's consistent. And throughout the years, anything that God delivers to me to preach, He often makes me go through it and live it. Amen? And so recently, I actually was dealing in my mind about getting offended. And it was like crazy because it was such a small thing. But I believe God was allowing me to experience that and go through that to understand how the, the body of Christ, you know, goes through that and experiences that. Amen? And so this lady was ignored. This lady was made to feel insignificant. Are you hearing me? She was ignored. Anybody ever felt ignored in the church? Amen. Anybody ever felt insignificant in the church? She comes and says, please, Jesus, heal my daughter. And Jesus overlooks her and says, lady, I'm not here for you. I'm here for the lost sheep of Israel. And some of us right there, we take a step back and we say, whoa, that's offensive. I'm going somewhere else for the answer. I'm going somewhere else for the breakthrough. I'm going somewhere else for the blessing." But how many know just because other people take precedence over you doesn't mean you're insignificant? Amen. And I, I just went through this myself recently, and God woke me up to it. Because there's a lot of people in the church that you feel like you're getting overlooked. You feel like the pastor's not spending time with you, or you feel like you're not getting the, the help you need, or you're not getting the blessing you need. But just because other people take precedence over you does not make you insignificant. Oh. It's like this, if you get a headache... Right? You come into the hospital, you got a headache, and you go up and you fill up the papers or a bad migraine, and they give you a bag of ice. And you spend, you know, eight, nine hours there waiting to get seen. And then somebody comes in with a gunshot wound, and they go to the front, and they overlook you, and they get the person with a gunshot wound, they get them in directly right in the back. And the person with a headache gets mad, throws the ice, and I don't want to be seen anyway. How crazy would you look? How crazy would you look? 
You got a headache, you're mad because they're dealing with the person that just got shot before they're dealing with you. But how many know some people's situations are more severe so they take precedence over the ones that are less severe? That doesn't make you insignificant just because you don't take precedence. Are you hearing me? And I just experienced this recently. And God said, really? You're going to trip out over something small like that? You've been here all this time. you got a little problem, and other people are taking precedence over your little problem, and you're going to get offended? And I love my wife because my wife always tells me like it is. You know, you got to have that rib. When things are a little childish, she'll straight up tell me, that's childish. That's stupid for you to get offended at that. That's silly. I remember somebody in my church, and maybe they come and sit in my spot in church, and I was hot. I'm serious. I was mad. And then after church, she's like, what's wrong? He's like, oh, you sat in my seat. And she's like, she's like, Zachariah, that's silly. Thank God for the truth, amen? Because offense, sometimes offense is the lens we see life through. And so when somebody offends us, we only see life in situations one way. And so the people that offend us, they see it one way and we see it one way. Imagine if we switched lenses. And we saw it through their eyes and they saw it through our eyes. Because offense is the lens in which you evaluate situations in which you evaluate life. So you may have been wronged and so you view the people in the situation in a certain way that is contrary to how Jesus is asking you to see them. Amen? But that's what I had to deal with recently. I went through that. Man. I'm going to tell you this right now. You're never going to get trusted with the big things of God if it only takes the smallest things to offend you. Say it ain't so. You'll never be trusted with the big things of God if it takes the smallest things to offend you. That's what I'm saying. The people that God uses the most are the ones who deal with offenses properly. Because offenses are going to come. It doesn't matter if you're the pastor, if you're the home director, if you're the wife, if you're the mother. It doesn't matter where you fall at in life. Offenses are going to come. And if all it takes for you to shut down to someone not give you the answer you was looking for, you're not going to get used in the capacity God wants to use you in. Are you hearing me? Some of us need to quit wearing our feelings on our shoulders. And understand that the people here love us and they care about us and they're committed to us. Are you hearing me? Your tolerance for being offended is often, always, I'd say always, your tolerance or your offendability, that's a cool word, your offendability is always a sign of your spiritual maturity. Amen? Amen. Oh, you could be the best prayer warrior. Oh, you could be the best preacher. Oh, you could just be so talented and gifted and just have the fire of God up inside you. But it takes the smallest things to offend you. Oh, it got quiet now. (laughs) Amen? Get all weird over the smallest things. And Jesus is upstairs and he's just like, come on, man. Just overlook it. It's not that big of a deal. They mocked me. They spit on me. They wouldn't listen to me. The people I was coming for, they didn't, they didn't want to hear it. 
You know what I'm saying? But I'm here to tell somebody today, there's a blessing beyond the offense. You see, this lady, she, she pressed in past all these opportunities to get offended, and she got her blessing. And I don't know if anybody's sitting in here and you're offended with the pastor, or you're offended with the church, or you're offended, you know, with your brother in Christ, or you're offended with your sister in Christ, or you're, you're just straight offended at everybody. I don't know what it is. But I'm here to tell you today, there's a blessing beyond the offense. Amen? The lady pressed through the discouragement. She pressed through the fear. And she pressed through the haters. Let's go, Matthew 15. In 26, the Word of God reads, or 25. Jesus says, But she came and began to bow down before Him, saying, Lord, help me. And He answered her and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the Master's table. And then Jesus tells her, Oh, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And the Bible says that the miracle didn't come later that the miracle didn't wait around, that the miracle wasn't off in the dear future. The Bible says the miracle happened immediately. Her daughter was healed at once. Amen? How many of you believe this morning that God's got some blessings for you? That God's got some miracles for you? That God's got some breakthroughs for you? That God's got some direction, some revelation, that God's got something for you? But are you going to let offense stop you from getting there? Amen. She had every reason to walk away, but she stayed. She had every reason in the world to walk away, but she stayed. She overlooked the people talking. She overlooked the offense. She overlooked all her reasons to give up and quit, and she stayed. That'll preach to somebody. She stayed. And because she stayed and she overlooked all the nonsense, she got her blessing. Come on, somebody. She wanted the blessing. And she wasn't going to let anything stop her from getting the blessing, from getting her miracle, from getting her healing, from getting her breakthrough. Amen? There's a lot of people in here, you want your situation to get better. Right? Some things you're going through, some things you're experiencing, you want your situation to get better. But the reality is, instead of getting better, you're getting bitter. And the only thing keeping you from getting better is I. B-E-T-T-E-R, B-I-T-T-E-R. Some of us, our egos got us looking foolish. Huh? We all want to get better, right? But some of us are in here and we're getting bitter. And God says it's time to stop. It's time to release the offense. It's time to forgive whoever hurts you. It's time to release the pain. It's time to release it. It's time to, to look past it. It's time to overlook it. Because I got a blessing for you. I got a breakthrough for you. Amen? Could you imagine the Hebrew headlines that week? Because... I know, you know what I'm saying, they was, say, they was talking all kinds of crazy nonsense about Jesus. The Hebrew headlines, it says, The Christ calls a Canaanite a canine. <laughs> they probably blew it up, put it all over social media, was, was uh, 
tweeting about it, putting it on Facebook, putting it on the news, writing articles about it. I'm telling you. Because Jesus came off offensive. Unorthodox. Maybe unethical. Maybe even a little arrogant or rude. And so you know the media was going to get a hold of it. The media loves that stuff. Because the enemy's right behind it, twisting like a puppeteer and a puppet. Yeah. Blogs, news, radio, social media would blow up the scene. Words like bigotry, racism, arrogance, intolerance, prejudice, hatred, narrow-mindedness. And they would say a public apology is demanded. And the damage that's been done is disastrous. The Christ called the Canaanite woman a canine. That's funny, huh? But guess what? She didn't get offended. I bet all her girlfriends are talking about, oh, you should get offended, girl. You know, don't let him talk to you like that. Girl, he got all these people following him, got all this bread and fish. Girl, you're going to get something back for him. You know what I'm saying? We're going to take this to court. We're going to get this right. You don't let nobody talk to you like that, girl. She wasn't trying to hear it. Sometimes you got the wrong people speaking into your life. Amen. Tell your girlfriends to be quiet because I'm getting my blessing. Amen. But offenses. Offenses. We so easily get offended. Amen. Some of us are in here and we feel ignored. We feel like we're being overlooked. Some of us in here, we're feeling significant. Right? Feel like other people are, are, are getting the attention that we want. They're taking precedence over us. We feel insignificant. Some of us in here and we feel insulted. We're sitting in here and we feel like the people that are supposed to love us have insulted us. That's what this lady, this lady's feeling all this. Being ignored. Feeling insignificant. Feeling insulted. And all the people of God that was following Jesus, they're, they're telling, get rid of her. Send her on down the road. She's experiencing all this. All this. But I love it. She still presses in and she gets her blessing. As we see here, could you imagine if somebody called you a dog today? Hello. Huh? Huh? Well, well, Brother Zachariah, Jesus didn't really call her. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Well, if you go into the theological and you dig deep, it's a different way. Hey, a dog's a dog. Amen? And there are two Greek words for dog. One's a wild dog, one's a pet dog. But a dog's a dog. Amen? It don't matter if you call me a pet dog or a wild dog. A dog's a dog. You called me a dog. Amen? Worship team, you can come up. But there's two different names for dogs in Greek. You know, one means wild dog and one means pet dog. And the wild dog, which is K-U-O-N, kuon, it carries a derogatory connotation of uncleanness. A wild dog, a rabid dog, dealing with manes and, and rabies. And, and check this out. It was quite common for Jews of this day to call the Gentiles this name. So in this day and age, this was the form of racism that took place in this culture. 
the Jews would see the Gentiles and they'd say, you wild dog. Right? But there's another word for dog in Greek. And it's K-U-N-A-R-I-O-N, which is canarian. And this word for dog is used in an affectionate way of pets. Amen? And guess which word Jesus used? The pet dog. And so this lady's sitting here and she's being ignored and she's been insulted and she's been made feel insignificant and Jesus goes and calls her a pet dog and she's sitting here in her mind she's like, pet dog. Wait, pet dog. I'm used to being called wild dog by the Jews. They called me wild dog. But Jesus is sitting here and he... He said, pet dog. You call me a pet dog? And so what does she reply with? She says, well, Jesus, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And if Jesus was trying to insult this woman, he would have used the wild dog which she was used to. So Jesus wasn't trying to insult this woman, but she could have took it as an insult. She could have took it as an offense, but she didn't. So Jesus is not calling her a dog to insult her, but it's a carefully aimed assault at the woman's pride to bring the best out of her. And what we have to understand, it's not the reality if we're a dog or not. It's the fact that the quality of life is determined by who your master is. Woo! The pet dog has a home. The pet dog has a master. The pet dog gets taken care of. That's why my dog at home, mama dog, she's a big fat dog. But she's got a roof, and she's got food, and she's got pet, and she's got affection, and she's got love. So it doesn't even matter if she's a dog. It's her master is what matters. Amen? This lady had every opportunity to get offended. But she's like, man, I ain't trying to hear all that. I'm getting my blessing. Is there anybody here this morning that wants to get their blessing? Come on, stand to your feet. We have to overlook the offenses in our life. We have to overlook the insults in our life. We have to overlook being ignored. We have to overlook all this stuff. Because I can guarantee one thing, and God can test me on this. The power of God is in this place. Jesus is in this place. The love of Christ is in this place. Amen? And you may get offended. The offenses may come, but don't hold on to them. Let them go. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess with your quality of life. Not anybody else's. Amen? This altar is going to be open if you want to come hit your knees. Or if, if there's someone in here that you have an offense towards, go to them and make it right this morning. Amen?